Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Satterton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. I'm so grateful that each of you are here this morning. This is going to be like we're at halftime in a football game and we're destroying the game, we're winning, and you're going to get the halftime pep talk that was planned if we were losing the game. So keep that in mind. You guys are already doing everything that we're talking about, but we're going to reinforce the why, and then we're going to do it some more. So I'm really, again, grateful you guys are here. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This is also going to be a part one of a two-part message that we will finish next week. And just a heads up, we're going to do a lot of review of what we talk about today. And then we will dedicate the blessing box. So we're going to hit points one to three today, points uh, four and five next week. This is also the last Sunday of 2023. And this, and the next time we meet, it will be 2024. Get used to saying 2024. It is a great time for us to assess where we're at and to set goals and to not be stressed out by the reality of where we are. So we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of that this morning. I spent some time with the Lord around the idea of setting goals for this coming year for us And the thing that really, really, really stood out, and I want to dive into the Scripture this morning and look at it together, and my hope is that we can all agree together as a church body to be intentionally grateful in 2024. Not just in our head, not just in our thoughts, but to let it come out of our mouths in our actions and our words. We want to start a new habit of expressing gratitude and thankfulness to each other and to God. And this church family together will make giving thanks one of our highest priorities. And there's a difference between a modern concept of giving thanks and what a biblical concept of giving thanks is. For the vast majority of people, giving thanks is just simply what you say in response to something that's already happened. Something that's been done, a gift that's already been given to a favor that's already happened. And one of the first things we teach our kids is to say thank you. We say say thank you no matter what that gift is when you open it. If it's something you want, you say thank you. And if it's socks and underwear, you say thank you. It doesn't matter what grandma bought you, you say thank you. We've all had that conversation with our kids. And we like when people thank us, so we usually thank others. I go out of my way to say thank you very much. And I also like to use the phrase, you are most welcome when someone thanks me. I know a lot of people like the my pleasure, but it makes me hungry for chicken. Okay, and that's just what that is at this point. So I don't know how, it's pretty awesome that an organization can take a polite phrase and make it associated with them. So anyway, uh, during the week, I like to think about who did awesome things here And a lot of you guys receive a thank you text where I say thank you to you. I go out of my way to think about who's helping and make sure they're thanked. But if all we ever do is say thank you in response to something that's already been done, as good as that is, most of the time it boils down to common courtesy, just being polite. 
A lot of people do that. Not everybody does it, but a lot of people do. But biblical giving thanks is so much more than good manners. Giving thanks is a weapon in your arsenal. Giving thanks is how you and I wage warfare. We give thanks to God. This isn't just thanking Him for what's already been done. And if we could only thank God for what's already been done, what we already have, there would be plenty to thank Him for. But giving thanks to God is also thanking Him for what He is doing. And the warfare really is thanking Him for what He will do in our future. The Bible is full of promises, and even if we aren't seeing them in our life yet, we can still be thankful to God for what He will do in our future. And there's an interesting verse that we're going to read in a lot of different versions, and some versions we don't normally use. And I want you guys to look at it in your Bible, 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 14. You'll be familiar with this. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of its knowledge in every place. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. And I had an interesting experience recently that I want to tell you about. And it's going to tackle the last half of the verse. We're going to tackle the last half first. It's kind of weird when we think about, usually when we perceive an odor of another person, it is rarely a good odor. Right? And we're aware of the aroma, the smell. And so this is more likened to when you're walking past a restaurant and you smell it and you want to go into it. All right, so now this may have happened recently, may not have, uh, at a place of employment that I may or may not work at, lots of people call in sick on Christmas Eve. So maybe there was extra to do, and I got to go to a place where there was a block. It may or may not be the 600 block of Spruce Street. May or may not be. And what, how this is set up is every house, there are row homes, every house has a screen door. You open the screen door, and there's a little slot from 1940 that's meant for a couple letters. But you got a lot more than a couple letters, but the expectation is that it's coming in. If you put it in front, people get upset. So what's happening is, this may or may not have happened, from door to door on Christmas Eve around dinner time. I open the screen door, and I may or may not have eaten. It may be about me, or it may be about someone else. Open the door. I am hit with an aroma at every house. Now, normally, these aromas are unpleasant. There's people that have more than three, four cats, and you know when you open the screen door. But on Christmas Eve, it's like, whoa, that's pie. Whoa, that's a ham. Whoa, they're baking cookies. And you're going house to house to house, catching these aromas. And what, what this verse is saying is that God wants to use what people become aware of about us to bring them to Him. And the thing that He wants to use, now flip to the first part of the verse, is actually our gratitude towards Him who always leads us to triumph. Now, I looked up the word triumph because in my head, it's an old motorcycle. A couple of people can agree with that. It's a verb... It's a transitive verb, which is my favorite kind of verb, which I looked up what it was, but it's kind of hard to explain, so we're not going to talk about that. But triumph means to obtain victory. So we could say, thanks be to God who always leads us to victory in Christ. 
and uses our thankfulness of that victory to make other people aware of His goodness. Triumph means to obtain victory, to receive honor, to celebrate victory boastfully. God always leads us to triumph victory. He led you to victory. He is right now leading you to victory. And in the future, He will continue leading you to victory. So this is where you and I can exist in every time tense at once. Giving thanks reaches back to the past and says, God, You've been so good. Giving thanks is active right now in the present. Look at the great things You're doing in my life, God. And giving thanks becomes a weapon in Your hand when it reaches into the unseen, when it reaches beyond what's in front of you into the realm of what's yet to come. We should be excited, be grateful, and be thankful as though it's already happened because no one else on the earth except a Christian has the ability to do this. Nobody can do this but us because of God and our relationship with Him. Be thankful for what God will do for us in the future. So let's look at the phrase in 2 Corinthians 2 in a couple different translations. I went to some older translations, guys. So this is what the pilgrims used. It's the Geneva translation. Now thanks be to God who always makes us triumph in Christ and by us makes manifest the savor of His knowledge in every place. King James says, Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph. The Amplified says, But thanks to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of knowledge of Him. Contemporary English version. This is our third grade level Bible that we turn to when we don't understand. I am grateful that God always makes it possible for Christ to lead us to victory. There's a translation called the God's Word translation. But I thank God who always leads us in victory because of Christ. Wherever we go, God uses us to make clear what it means to know Christ. It's like a fragrance that fills the air. The older translations actually translated that word triumph as the word victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. Now here's a question that I want you to answer today. Did you get the victory because you were thankful? Or are you thankful because you got the victory? Anyone can say thanks for the victory after they experience Do we give thanks in the middle of the battle and pressure? In the middle of situations, circumstances, or symptoms? Or do you look beyond what you feel and see and say thank you to the Lord? So if I feel sick, God is still always leading me to triumph and I have victory. If I experience more month than money, I can still be thankful because God is leading me to victory. It doesn't matter the circumstance. Thanking God that always leads you into triumph. The victory is in your future, and you can thank God for it. Now, I want to do something a little unconventional this morning. You guys normally are okay with that, because it's important that we each see exactly where we are when it comes to whether we're grateful or not. As you study the Bible, one of the major things you see throughout the Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, is giving thanks Gratitude, thankfulness, and the people of God giving thanks to God. And I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and I hope it will help you see exactly where you are 
as a thankful person compared to the people in the Bible? It's an odd question, but humor me. On a scale of 1 to 10, how thankful would you say you are? 1 being a little grateful, 10 being very, 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 very grateful. So don't answer it out loud because your assessment of yourself might be different than our experience. And we want to love you this morning. All of us need to look at the scale. On a 1 to 10, how thankful would you say you are? Just pick a number between 1 to 10. 1 being a little thankful, 10 being exuding gratefulness everywhere. And we aren't talking about good manners or how polite you are. We're not talking about your ability to say thanks to the person who brought you the meal at your restaurant, which you should do. It's a good thing. But I'm talking about on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a lifestyle of thanksgiving are you living? Because the higher you are on that scale, the greater victory you will experience in your life. So as I was assessing myself, I found a scale that someone already made based on what they saw in the Bible. This was made up by a man. We're going to use it as a tool. It's not going to be our extra book in the Bible for us from now on, okay? We're just going to use it as a tool. So it's the scale of 1 to 10 that a man made up. He made it up based on Psalms, things that David wrote in the Psalms, statements made by David. So on a gratitude scale of 1 to 10, David's like a 10 million. He, he really is. Every other word is, thank you, God. Shout unto God. Praise the Lord. So, you know, David wrote most of Psalms, and almost every other phrase is one of those phrases, one right after another. And when you see David talk about being thankful, often he talks about an expression of giving thanks, not just saying, I'm thankful. David paints a picture of how he expresses gratitude to God. And I want to show you several different expressions of giving thanks, so you'll be able to fit, see where you fit on the scale. So we aren't going to start with one. We're going to start with zero, because that's where most of the world is living, completely unthankful. And that really is the biggest problem in our world today, people that aren't thankful to God. And you might think, how can that be? There's other problems, but I'm going to show you in the Bible. It's the biggest problem we're dealing with. And that the biggest problem we're dealing with isn't inflation or COVID. It is that most people are unthankful. They're living at a zero on the thankful scale. So if you're someone that doesn't want to live there, I'm going to give you the first step to living grateful. If you embrace this and live it out, you could easily make it all the way up to a two out of 10. And this is the first step. It's found in Psalm 111 verse 1. Now, a lot of you guys, this is a little side note, I see 11-11 twice a day no matter what day it is. I see 11-11 on license plates, signs, my watch. I look at it every day at 11-11. So maybe Psalms 111-1 is the Lord speaking 11-11 to us. So keep that in mind if you're a person that sees that. So Psalm 111-1, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. First phrase says, Praise the Lord. Everybody's got that in their Bible. And it says, I thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with His godly people. I thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with His godly people. And that's what's happening here this morning. That's what we did here this morning. Godly people coming together and praising the Lord together. And then verse 2 says, How amazing are the deeds of the Lord all who delight in Him should ponder them. 
So all who delight in the Lord should do what? Ponder. Pontificate. Now that's more talking. Ponder. Ponder his deeds. This means to be a one or maybe even a two on the scale. All you have to do is think thankful thoughts. David said here, in connection to thanking God, you should be pondering his deeds, thinking thankful thoughts. Just think thankful thoughts. Can someone give me an example of a thankful thought? Anybody feeling thankful? Thankful thoughts. So everybody have a thankful thought right now. Be thankful for something. So you all really have something you could say unless it's embarrassing. Anybody else have an example of a thankful thought? Vehicle to get here. I, I wasn't planning on hearing that response, but I also like the statistic of some of the countries and how many cars to people there are. <laughs> yeah. Some of us have extra cars. <laughs> anyway, anybody else thankful thought? That's an awesome thankful thought. Anybody fill their belly this morning? Thankful for what's in your belly? Those of us that are fasting are thankful that we're spiritual. All right. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, so pretty easy to get to a one or a two on a gratitude scale. Thanking the Lord, thinking thankful thoughts, pondering the deeds of the Lord. You know, what he's done for you, what he's done in the Bible, what he's doing for other people. So are you doing that on a regular basis? Can you commit to doing that more this year? Thinking thankful thoughts, because it's really the first step. I'm going to read the scripture again, and then we're going to talk about it a little more. You know, Psalm 111, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are your, are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him, all, not some, who delight in him should ponder them. Now, a lot of people are thinking thoughts that are the opposite of thankful. Some people would fall more into a category under the heading of self-pity. What does self-pity sound like? I'll answer this. You don't have to. Nobody likes me. I'm all alone. Nobody from church reached out and talked to me this week, so I might not want to go back because they don't care about me. These are self-pity thoughts that we let run wild in our minds. And this is the kind of stuff that we entertain for far too long Turn over to Mark 8. I just want to look at something, an example of something Jesus did with a self-pitying thought. So in Mark 8, you guys will be familiar with this story. It's one of our, our favorite ones to talk about, though I don't think we fully understand it. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 31. You should have some kind of heading there that says, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. So verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed only after, th and after three days rise again. So here, here's the deal. What Jesus is saying actually sounds like a thought that he shouldn't have. But it is a true thing that he has to experience. Right? So he spoke the word openly. Verse 32 says he spoke the word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And verse 33 so picture this, just picture. Peter took him aside. He's with his disciples. He's like, hey, all this bad stuff's happening. Peter's like, can I talk to you for a second? So Peter's over here, right? 
So just picture Peter, Jesus. Notice, okay, Peter, Jesus. Anyway, all right. So verse 33, and he had turned around. So, so Peter is rebuking him, and he turns around and looks at the disciples. What has he done to Peter? Turn his back on Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. So he put him back there, then he said it. And he said, so you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. So Peter pulled Jesus aside, and he said, he said, you'll find this in other parts of the Bible of this story, be it not unto you. And if you look that up in like the original translations, the early ones, they actually translated it with this word, pity thyself. Peter pulled Jesus aside, and he said, pity thyself. Right? You don't have to go through this. Have a little pity on yourself. And the Bible says that Jesus turned, and you can study this out, he turned his back and he said, get behind me, Satan. And he acted it out just like that. He turned his back and that's how you take every thought captive, every self-loathing, every thought of self-righteousness, every self-pity, self-centeredness, unthankful thought. What should we be doing with those thoughts? It's not entertaining them, not letting them roll around in our head all day long. You turn your back on it and you say out loud, get behind me, Satan. And if you keep reading the Gospels, you may have noticed, you may not have noticed, but you may have noticed we have no account of Jesus saying, hey, Peter, I'm sorry I overreacted. I had low blood sugar. I was stressed out by the Pharisees. And, you know, I'm also responsible for all this. I just got a little stressed. And Peter said, that's okay, bro. And they fist bumped. That never happened because it wasn't an overreaction. A self-pitying thought is the exact opposite of the thankful thoughts we're trying to think. So, if you want to be a one or two on a thankful scale, it's going to start with what? Yeah, thinking thankful thoughts, pondering his deeds. So can you start thinking thankful thoughts intentionally in 2024? Can you start thinking of the things God's done for you and some of the ways he's helped you and some of the ways he's going to. And when you start thinking all this self-pity stuff, that you're insufficient, that you're not enough, what you don't have, don't know, or can't do, when you start thinking those thoughts, take them captive by saying, get behind me, Satan. That's not my thought. I'm not thinking that. I'm intentionally filling the space in my head with grateful thoughts towards God. Thinking thankful thoughts about God is a one or maybe a two on our scale. And you'll be better than most people in the world because that's our goal, right? Amen. The higher you go on that scale, what does that mean? It means more victory. Remember, we tied thankful thoughts to victory. The greater the victory you begin to experience. So if you're good with a victory on a one or two level, just keep thinking thankful thoughts. Is anyone interested in victory on three or four level? What does it look like to be on that level of gratitude? Let's look at what David said in Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. It says, I will praise you, Lord. You'll notice the theme. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of the marvelous things you have done. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. Can you see what's going on here? He is thankful and connecting it to an expression of thankfulness 
The first expression was thinking thankful thoughts. I'm going to ponder your amazing deeds. Now he's taking a step up. David is saying, I'm thankful, but I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to talk about it. Did you ever notice a lot of people talk about what they're thinking about? Sometimes we talk about what we're thinking about when we should not. So if you're thinking thankful thoughts, the natural progression is those thoughts are going to come out of your mouth as words, and you're going to tell about it. And what you talk about, you magnify. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're thankful because you got the victory, and you got the victory because you were thankful. Thankful people will always have something to be thankful for. So again, the verse... Psalm 9.1, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. Do you want to see God do greater things? Tell what he's already done. This puts you at about a three or a four on our giving thanks scale because you were thinking thankful thoughts and now you're talking about it. So, how many of you guys would like to go a little higher, go maybe around a five or a six. This is as far as we're going today, so gentle stretching, maybe around a five or a six on the thankful scale. It's fine if you want to stay about a three or a four. We will be happy and pleased if you're thinking thankful thoughts and talking about them. But if you want to take it up a notch, a five or a six, because you want to experience some five or six level victory in your life, I'm going to give you another way that David express gratitude, but you may not like it. And I think that's why most people are content being a one to four. So let's look at this. What did the psalmist say? I'm in Psalm 7. Not only are we pondering thankful thoughts, thinking thankful thoughts, or telling wonderful deeds, Psalm 7, 17 says, I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing. I will sing. And as soon as you say that, there's a bunch of people that are like, I'm out. Maybe not you guys, but some people. That's somebody else. That's not me. And honestly, that's fine if that's the decision people want to make. Live down there to one or two, hang around three or four. But if you want to walk in a greater expression of thankfulness that leads you to triumph, you're going to want to fully embrace this. If you're going to live a lifestyle of gratitude, you know, the one that we're all starting to commit to at a five or a six. It's not just thinking thoughts. It's not just telling it. David takes it another step and he says, I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 92, four says, You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. He's singing for joy because of what God has done. Singing about it. So we've gone from thinking it to talking it, and now it's getting big, so big on the inside of us that we're singing about it. And I know many of you right now are saying, I don't sing very well. Even if your voice sounds like cats killing each other, it's okay. You've got a song on your heart that needs to be sung. I did a little looking around on the internet, and I was excited to find out that medical science has done research Proving the health benefits of singing. Would you like to know some of the health benefits of singing? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, thank you. One of the first things that singing does for you is relieve stress. Singing is a stress reliever. They found that singing reduces stress levels whether the participants were singing in a group or by themselves. The cortisol, which is the stress chemical released in the body, the article said cortisol only goes down if you're singing in a place that doesn't make you anxious. I want you to know there is no reason for you to feel any anxiety here. We actually have to love you. Right, I mean, we have to, but we want to, but we have to. So there's no reason for you to feel anxious. We are not looking for the next American Idol. I promise you that nobody here, while your hands are raised or your eyes are closed or while you're singing on the floor crying, will put a microphone in front of your mouth. That only happens to me at other places. Yeah, it is. I, I always smile and say, I'll come back and lead worship anytime you want. Right now, I'm having my moment. It's happened to me quite a bit. And again, we're not looking for you to be perfect. We're not going to bring you up front here and say, sing in front of everybody. You should feel comfortable singing in this group. We aren't perfect. We aren't polished. Cat and I's worship is described as raw and unrefined in the description under our albums. We are actually intentionally not going after perfect sounds, just real expressions of worship. Singing relieves stress. Thank you. Not only does it relieve stress, it actually improves immune response. Singing can help fight off sickness. There is some evidence that singing may boost your immune system and help you fight off illnesses. Medical researchers compared the effects of singing with the effects of simply listening. Medical researchers compared the effects of singing with the effects of simply listening. Now, why do I say this? Because every Sunday morning, we have both of those things going on. We have some singing and some listening. Now, they did say that listening to music can help calm and help reduce some stress. It also depends on what the music is. But you know what just listening to music won't do? It won't build your immune system. Singing... Singing with us is actually doing something inside of you to strengthen your immune system. The article says, those who sang showed higher levels of aminoglobulin A, which of all the aminoglobulins is my personal favorite. I don't know how you feel about aminoglobulins, but my favorite aminoglobulin is, of course, aminoglobulin A. And those who sang show higher levels of aminoglobulin A, which is, as you know, an antibody that your body secretes to fend off infections. Look that up for you. All right. Listening to music without singing along reduces stress, but it does not simulate the body's immune system. Maybe we're going to have some people singing in church. Maybe. We should. You know what else singing can do for you? It increases your pain threshold and releases endorphins. Now, there, here's something else. Here's, here's one you're going to love. Singing may improve snoring. It's a medical study. It improves lung function. It develops a sense of belonging and connection. It enhances memory in people with dementia. It helps us process and move on 
from grief. It improves mental health and mood. It improves speaking abilities in nonverbal individuals with autism. Medical article. This is also a great list of things to be thankful for. So, this is secular medical science doing research. What if you're not singing the top 40 hits, but you're singing something connected to the presence of God? You're singing praise and worship. You're singing as giving thanks to God. You take all these effects and you multiply them. You come here each week when Cat or I is here singing, and this is what we've done. We've tried to make this so easy for you. We've actually practiced. We've put words on a bulletin and maybe someday on a screen. We've done everything to try to make this easy. The only thing we can't do is sing it for you. You have to sing. This is a part of your giving thanks. On the thank- if you're thankful on this scale, then there's going to be a song coming out of you. And the good news is while you're standing there singing, your snoring problem is going away. While you're standing there singing, your body is fighting off infection. Your body's resisting infections, disease, germs, and viruses. Why? Because you're singing to the Lord, and you don't have to be a great singer to sing to the Lord. You also can just walk around your house singing your song to God. You can do it here in your sanctuary. You can do it in your living room. You can do it in the kitchen. You can do it in the car on your way to work. Just letting the song come up out of your spirit. There's a scripture in Ephesians, and it says, singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God and Father for everything in the name of Jesus. This is giving thanks on a higher scale. It's a greater expression, something that began as a thought, turned into words, and then we put a melody to it and we sing it to the Lord. So turn over to Ephesians 5, verse 15. You probably have a heading in your Bible that says, walk in wisdom. Verse 15 says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Hey, that's actually what we're doing. We're assessing where we're at in a thankful in thankfulness. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do I need to say anything more about that? Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to draw a connection here. If it offends you, delete it from your mind bank and thank God for me. You ever been with somebody that's a little drunk and they don't stop talking? Could it be the connections being made here for how we should be about our gratitude? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. Just a thought. All right. So releasing your sound and your song, giving thanks to God, will release victory in your life. You'll be thanking God on a higher level. This is the way we get filled with the Spirit of God. Now, granted, you get the Spirit of God, 
But there's always people that come and they're like, I don't feel it. I don't sense it. I feel empty. This is the way you stay that full feeling. Now, we're not all about our feelings, but engaging God in this gratitude and in song, you feel it. You're aware of him in you. It comes with singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and giving thanks unto God. A lot of people want to know why they're so down and weak and they don't have this overflowing out of them. Well, oftentimes, it takes faith to go ahead and open up your mouth and not just feel it on the inside, but to speak words and then to go ahead and sing it. Just put a little melody to it. It doesn't have to be anything special. You're not recording. You're not selling albums. You're just thankful to God. You're thanking God on a higher level. So I want to encourage you that there's still too many of us not fully engaging this as we meet together. Each time we gather together is an opportunity. The first part of our service, most Sundays, we spend singing, praising, and making melody. We're not doing it out of habit. We're not doing it out of religious tradition. We're doing it to give you and I, all of us, the opportunity to give thanks and to let that come out of us. It has nothing to do with your personality, nothing to do with your talents or abilities, nothing to do with any of that. It's got everything to do with your heart. Are you thankful enough to think some thankful thoughts, to fight some thoughts that aren't thankful, and thankful enough to tell other people when God's done something good for you? And are you thankful enough to open up your mouth and let a song come out? You've got it on the inside of you. One of the choices every Christian has to make is will we be consumers? That means we come and take, or you can be a contributor. Each person that comes here every Sunday has the opportunity to contribute to the life and the atmosphere of worship in this place. Hopefully, we aren't just coming here to connect with people, to hear a message. Hopefully, we are coming to contribute, to connect with God, to glorify Him, to thank Him in a corporate act of worship. I want to be really honest with you guys about two things, but I need you guys to promise me if it offends you, we can talk about it. Not now, another time. The first one is, trying to say this without sounding arrogant. So in our house, we are always worshiping. We've set a worship atmosphere that's not because we're so amazing. It's because the things that confront us on a daily basis require it. So Cat and I are full. We've sung on the way here in the car. We've done all this stuff. So when we get up here, that's not necessarily for us. It's not for me to feel validated, gifted. All right? But we do come before the Lord to thank Him, but we do that to create an opportunity for others. So that was the first thing, and hopefully that doesn't offend you. And the second thing is a little harder for me to share because I want to be really honest with you about something. I want to share with you the most single discouraging thing that happens to me as a pastor. And I think for clarity, that's not when people call me up on the phone and curse me out because somehow they had an unrealistic expectation that I was going to be their relationship with God. That happens. Um, it's not when people move on. The most discouraging thing that happens to me, and it's fairly regular, is it's not what you think. The most discouraging thing is when we begin the service and we gather the people to worship and we've done a verse and we're opening in prayer and we're leaning into the first song and people are still having conversations. And it's like, if you want to talk, you can come way early. 
you can stay way late. We don't lock the building till like two in the afternoon. And if you're still here talking, we'll come back and lock it later. But for some reason for me, and it may be based on past experience, and it's amazing how in a space, even though we've got giant speakers, we're literally having sound come out of five speakers. How someone still talking seems louder than that. You know, so I, I'm just being vulnerable for you, and I know I'm overthinking it, and I need to grow in that area. But if you want to encourage me, when we start, be ready to start. We want to bring all our energy and passion and steward the time. So we usually start at 10. If you need more time to visit, you can come earlier, you can stay later. When we start worship, you engaging contributes to the atmosphere of worship as we enter in. If you don't engage, that's really between you and God. If you can continue to talk, it actually becomes a distraction. And, and others, including me, need to overcome it. So we don't want to do that. So can we commit to coming together quicker when we start? All right. Okay. Again, I'm talking to the all-star team, but still. So we're releasing faith into the atmosphere that I'm expecting God to move in this place. I'm expecting him to do exceedingly and abundantly more. I'm expecting to hear from him. I'm expecting that every person in this place is going to experience the presence. You want to bring your faith and not just come be a consumer, be a contributor. So as we do that and say, Lord, I'm going to start up this service with my praise unto God as we do this, Every one of us in the whole room, if every one of us in the whole room are doing that, it charges the atmosphere. It's not just dependent on one or two people or the band to come here prepared. Each of you bring an element of faith and contribute to this place. So I apologize if that was heavy, but I want to make 2024 a year of thankfulness. And our corporate worship is really just a big gratitude party. We want everyone to enjoy themselves and be part of what's going on. All right. So as I mentioned before, we will continue to move up the levels of the thankfulness scale next week. But let's just quickly review the ideas we talked about. The first one was think thankful thoughts. Psalm 111.1, praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. Verse 2 says, how amazing are the deeds of the Lord all who delight in him should ponder them. So we're going to think thankful thoughts. The second thing we said is we need to say those thankful thoughts. Psalm 9-1, the New Living Translation, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of the marvelous things you have done. And thirdly, we want those, songs we're th those thoughts we're thinking to become songs. Psalm 92, 4, you thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. And remember, we started this whole thing thinking, talking, and singing thankful thoughts because in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, we connected our thanks with our victory. And it says, now thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph. And God wants to use our thanksgiving of his victory to be the aroma and to draw others to him. So we're going to close with a song. It's a song we already sang this morning. It's fairly popular. If you guys have your bulletin, go ahead and open it up to Waymaker. We want to talk about the words that we're singing because often we don't think about the words. 
Waymaker is a very interesting song because there's a ton of repetition and a ton of things that don't repeat mixed in with the repetition. Right? So words on the screen might be helpful for Waymaker. Um, but the first words of the song are the words, you are here. And the you is God, not me or Bob, God. So do we believe that? Do we believe God is here? And if we sing this song straight through without repeating any of the verses, you actually sing the words, you are here six times, and the words, I worship you 12 times. You are declaring at least six times that God is here, and at least 12 times that you worship Him. And I think if that's the truth, and it is, God is here, and we worship Him, we might need to change the way that we're engaging with what's happening. Because the song says this, it says what God is doing while He's here. So if we believe God is here and we're worshiping Him, then in this song, in the verses, it says He's doing these six things. He's moving in our midst. He's working in this place. He's touching every heart. Not everybody but me. Every heart. He's healing every heart. He's turning lives around. And He's mending every heart. So if we meet together and we worship, if we believe God's really doing the thing that we're singing about Him, how does that change the energy in the room, the expectation, the atmosphere? He's bringing healing on all the levels we just read. And why is He doing that? We sing this as well. He's bringing those healings because He is the Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who He is. And it's actually His identity to bring healing to His people. And not just that, we go on to sing that even when I don't see or feel it, He's still working. Why? Because He never stops working. So do we have a reason to worship, to gather together and engage? We'll spend our last few minutes with that song, but I'm going to walk you through a little process here. We're going to go from thinking thankful thoughts to saying thankful thoughts to singing thankful, thankful thoughts. I'm going to play the guitar so no one's listening to you. All right, so go ahead. Just stand up, close your eyes, and start to think thankful thoughts about God. Ponder the works of the Lord on the earth and in your life. In a minute or so, I'll start playing, and then just naturally we'll let those thoughts become words of thanksgiving and then songs of thanksgiving, and then we'll close with Waymaker. So, Father, we thank you for who you are. We pray that you would remind us of the things that you've done and you're doing as we start to think those thankful thoughts. Just begin to release the thoughts before the Lord. Say the things that you've been thinking, those thoughts of gratitude.
begin to lift your voice and sing thoughts and songs of gratitude to the Lord. And again, it doesn't have to be something amazing. It can just be a, a word or a sound. the word thank you we're just gonna be here a little longer and then we'll move into the song together time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Souderton, Pennsylvania.